Hello everybody and welcome to the Australian Seller Podcast. My name is Chris Thomas and I'll be your host and this is the show where we talk about all things Amazon and e-commerce, whether it be private label, wholesale, dropshipping and how you can generate a recurring income either on the side or as a full-time gig. G'day and thank you so much for listening into the show again this week. Wherever you're doing, whether you're in the car or at the gym or riding a bike or even walking somewhere. And a big thanks to everyone who's left a positive review over the years, and more recently to Ashes15, who kindly left a five-star review at the beginning of Feb. The show's actually sitting at 4.8 stars on iTunes, so like Amazon, I'm going to round that up to five. So please like and subscribe. It really helps and means a lot. I don't get paid. I don't have sponsors. I try and remain fully independent, and will continue to do so with your support. Now, time really is running out to join the fourth Amazon Collective Mastermind that Regina and I are holding in March on the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Uh, this time in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales, and it's being sponsored by multi-currency solutions provider World First and Australian e-commerce accountants Intrepid Advisory, and of course, one-stop VAT. So to join us, Fee Suter and international VIP guests, including $50 million per year seller, Ben Weber, head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash collective to learn more and apply. Today, you might remember two-time previous guest and friend of the show and mine, Stephen Selikov from CantonFair2024.com. Now, Stephen's a product development and sourcing legend, and he chats to you and me today about the best practice sourcing and negotiation with Chinese suppliers. Another great friend of mine, Andy Ackeroyd, recently posted a video about his amazing experience traveling to China and hanging out with Stephen, and he recommended that I get him back on the show. So here he is. Stephen chats to us today about the Canton Fair, meeting suppliers, negotiating the best price without compromising on quality, and the dangers of using DDP as your freight forwarding method, amongst many other tips and tricks if you're currently considering sourcing from China. Don't forget to join my Facebook group. Just head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash Facebook. I'm still offering private coaching here in 2024, so please head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash Chris to book an hour session with me. And if you own or work for a consumer products brand and need some help setting up or running your Amazon business, including managing your sponsored advertising, feel free to get in touch as well. I run an agency. It's called amosphere.com.au and we help private label sellers as well as household brands in Australia and internationally like No Pong or Lucent Globe, Taft Toys, just to name a few. So again, please just head over to amosphere.com.au. Now, please welcome back to the show, Stephen Selikoff. Welcome back to the microphone, Stephen Selikov. Uh, Stephen, you're from the Product Development Incubator, and you also uh, also have the Product Development China trip as well. So uh, great to have you back on the show. It is great to see you. Actually, I'm thinking the last time I saw you in person was probably India. It was. It was India. Yeah, in New Delhi. We are due to get together again in person soon. We sure are. What do you have any plans to come back to Australia or yeah. in, the, in the near future? Definitely do. I, I, I loved it there. Um, I, and, and as a, a foreigner, I've got pretty lucky because I've seen both, you know, the, the entire, you know, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, uh, Gold Coast, but I've also mm. been to Western Australia. That's and right. I constantly fall in love with Australia more every time I see it. So it's on, <laughs> it's on the plan. And right now you're in Thailand, aren't you? You're back yeah. Home. Yeah, enjoying a few days before heading back to China again. Yeah. We've got some some really incredible products that just recently launched, mm-hmm. um, and and um, now it's a chance of just meeting with the factories, making sure everything's set for them to produce and deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's nothing like being there in person. Are these your products? Or are they student products? Or 
Well, they are student products, but mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm heavily connected with with quite a few of them. Yeah, and yeah. frankly, I'm also committed. I want to see my guys do well. Succeed. And uh, uh, it's yeah. it's like a, a parent watching a little kid learn how mm-hmm. to get up and run, walk and run, and now they're racing, yeah. and and I love it. <laughs> My good friend Andy Ackeroyd uh, did a video recently and spoke a lot about the trip that he went on with you to China and how amazing and life-changing it was for him. Uh, so, yeah, there's been a lot of chat about that. And oh, sorry, by the way, if anybody wants to go back and listen to the previous episodes of, with myself, Stephen, and in one, in one case with Megla, just go to the AustralianSeller.com forward slash 102, that's with Megla, and 085, and you'll be able to hear my interview with... With Stephen, back when, in the days when you were the Product Development Academy, which you've now rebranded. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Now, today, I wanted to talk to you about sourcing from China and what you're doing with and how you're helping your uh, your students or clients. Well, besides going back and forth to China a lot, um, mm-hmm. during the Canton Fair, which occurs twice a year in April and October, mm-hmm. I do have a group that I go there with, and that's uh, easily found. It's the can- it's a product development uh, China trip, but the easy way to remember it is just cantonfair2024.com. It's a shortcut that gets you right there. It was available. I took it. I have 25, 26, 27. Uh, I was telling um, uh, a friend of mine, I was like Brandon Young. I was telling him that I, I went out and I bought 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27 again. And then the next time I saw him, he says, guess what? I bought 28, 29, 30. That's just nasty. Come on, Brandon, do better. Oh, no, no, no. By that time, I expect to be in a hammock. Hopefully, it may be in Australia. So good on him. (laughs) Awesome. Anyway, so can you walk us through that that kind of process that you run through with your students? Are they coming to you with ideas already or are you working with them to develop a product idea and and where do things go? It's it's a mixture of both. And and as Andy uh, will tell you, the entire trip is an experience that, that helps build up your business on every possible mm-hmm. level. So we start off with um, classroom training. Yep. And in that classroom training, we go through a lot of things, including negotiating, which we'll come back to a few times throughout the trip. Yeah. Um, and everyone role plays and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and I have my own process for negotiation okay. that I've been doing for years, that I started when I was with Microsoft and so on. And it's very mm-hmm. different than most people experience or no so that's usually the first thing that people are surprised at as you know as mentioned andy was as well and then we visit factories and they understand what's going on in the factory so it makes it easier for them to communicate with their suppliers Mm -hmm. of course we've got the fair itself it is the the largest exposition of suppliers and factories in the world and it got bigger uh, during covid so now there are four complexes not just three Wow. Uh, and then in addition, we also do things like um, we visit the port of Guangzhou and uh, mm-hmm. warehouses because so many people don't understand shipping. And the easiest, best way to learn about shipping is to be there yourself. Mm. Watching. Um, not Learning. mentioning any particular shipping company's name. Mm-hmm. But if you look across easily miles of containers in Guangzhou, mm-hmm. you won't notice the name Matt's in there. Because Super Matson doesn't exist, um, and <laughs> other types of things people um, are making mistakes on that they just don't know. So, if I can clear up those mistakes, if I can 
teach people a better way of doing things. Same yeah. thing with inspections and certification mm -hmm. labs. It's really cool mm -hmm. to actually go there and see how do you tell if something's a, a hazard for children. We gotcha. spend uh, we spend an evening with an attorney who teaches everyone Chinese business law and IP protection because there are mm -hmm. differences between the U.S. and China. And yeah. so on packaging factory, uh, that was a big hit um, mm -hmm. last October as well. But if, if you think about, oh, 20, 25 years ago, Chris, you remember those little PDAs, personal digital assistants that you carried sure with you? Yeah. You know, you could do your schedule, notes, write mm -hmm. things, you, everything that you needed to do, you could do on that. These they came days, in before Blackberry, Blackberries, didn't they? Yes. <laughs> but these days that. you can do all the same thing on, uh, on a yeah. smartphone. That's right. So you can go to the Canton Fair yourself, and that's like taking a notebook and writing in it. Mm -hmm. Or you can go with a group. That's like using a PDA. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I try to you know, align ourselves to be similar to a smartphone. You get all mm -hmm. that same functionality, but you get so much more you didn't even know you needed. And, and when you leave, like Andy, like Kim and so others, it's like, mm -hmm. wow, this changed my business. So I'm very awesome. proud of it. And I love everyone who it's kept small, um, but I, it's just like it's fabulous. And as I say, I love everyone that attends. That's the best way to do it. Keep it small, keep it intimate. And um, yeah, there's a lot more um, collaborativeness, I think, when the group is nice yeah. and small, which is wonderful. Uh, okay, well, let's just start at the beginning then. So negotiations, what is your process for that? Because that is something that Andy did talk about to me personally, as well as the video that he filmed uh, for the Australian Seller Facebook group. So can you talk us through that process? How do you yeah. start? So number one, there's a couple of things to realize. On your half, mm -hmm. when you go to talk to a, a supplier or a factory about mm -hmm. bringing the price down, your goal should be to bring the price down, but also to build a relationship, to get better payment terms, uh, to build the confidence and communication between you guys. There's um, sociologists, they say that you can tell how important something is to a society by how many words there are. If you go all the way up to the north, you know, where it's nothing but snow and ice, they've got like 41 words for snow. It's mm -hmm. that important. Yep. In China, they have a word, guanxi. That means a business relationship. We don't have a word for that in the US and Australia and Canada. In English, there is no word. There's no mm -hmm. equivalent for that, but it's so important to Chinese culture and business that there's a word for having that relationship. And if you don't go in there looking to build that relationship, you're missing a great opportunity. Yeah. Second thing is you just don't go in there just saying, oh, I've got to get this, this factory down by 20% or 50% or, or whatever. In reality, you need to know where you're going. If yeah. you're doing a road trip, and you just start driving and saying, well, I'm going to drive for five hours and wherever I end up, I end up. That's ridiculous. But if you say, I'm going to drive five hours and end up at the Grand Canyon um, or I'm going to end up at, you know, uh, the beach, at least you know where you're going. That's how you need to approach your, your uh, negotiations. If you know where you're going, understand what price you need. Yeah, and then that's so important, negotiate isn't it? to that. Yeah. It changes everything. It takes mm -hmm. the pressure off. And it allows you to make decisions. Yeah. There's a um, if you visit our page for the Canton Fair uh, trip, again, CantonFair2024.com is the easy way. You'll see a video 
uh, with a fellow Brett. He's actually originally from Australia. You'll notice his accent, but he lives in Vietnam now. And during the Canton Fair, I take people and we just negotiate with suppliers left and right. And everyone, you know, small groups of people will sit down with me and shadow me and watch what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and in that one, and, and it's all, it was, it's all recorded live. Brett points out that at one point we were just too far from where I wanted to be. I knew we were far apart because I knew mm-hmm. where my destination was. Yeah. So when we were so basically. far apart, I just said, we're too far apart. And I got up to leave mm-hmm. at which point the, the, the sales rep ran to find the, the owner and talked to the owner and came back and, and dropped the price by 23%. That's incredible. I would never have known that if I didn't know where I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, and by shadowing, they're able to pick up on all of this. And it's what mm-hmm. I say, what I don't say, it's body language and all the rest of it. Okay. And that brings up point three. So I said point one, point two, point three. Mm-hmm. Every single product that you have ever had manufactured in China or mm-hmm. Australia or any other place, every single product I have had manufactured wherever every single product that anyone else has had manufactured costs that supplier that factory the same thing their costs are exactly the same which mm-hmm. is time labor materials yep add a layer on top of that for operating expenses and then whatever they can put on top of it as additional profit that's right so don't go in thinking oh they, they need to know what my MOQ is or where I sell. They're only asking you that because they're trying to vet you, to gate you, to see how serious you are. Yeah. And the fact that that changes the price mm-hmm. is an indication that they're just making that profit layer higher or smaller, depending on what they can get away with. Yeah, that's right. I have heard from so many people, oh, you got to go to the Canton Fair because if you visit your factories, you're going to save 10%, 15%. And I'm sure you've heard the same thing. Yep. That's the worst thing to hear in the world. Mm. It means that until that point that you have walked through the doors, they've been keeping an extra 10% on the table, <laughs> which means all the techniques you've been taught until that point mm. were not the best techniques of negotiating or else mm. that 10% would not be there. So basically you're saying work out what you need to buy the product for to be competitive when you're retailing the product, number one. Um, but the other, actually, I have another question for you around that in that if you, I've heard that if you push too hard that the manufacturer will often cut corners to, to hit your target. So they'll actually reduce the quality of the product uh, in order to meet the price that you're looking to, um, to source for. What are your thoughts on that? Is that a risk if you push too hard to, to decrease the price? It's a myth. It's a myth or it's a red flag. So let's go backwards on that. How do you get them to be at the price that you want? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we talked a moment ago about Guanxi. When you talk to a supplier and they'll say, oh, yeah, they won't say I've worked with Chris for six years or eight years. I've worked for Chris for six years. Mm, no. They'll say we've cooperated with Chris for six years, because that's their concept. They want that partnership. The more that you bring value to them, mm-hmm. the more they want to make sure that they bring that profit thing level 
whatever you want to call it, just that little buffer they put on top, yeah. smaller. They would rather that you are purchasing 10, 12, 15 containers a year for the next six years, and they're making less per unit than if you say, I'm going to buy 200 units, and they don't know if you're going to disappear off the face of the earth or not. They're going to try to get everything they can at that point. So the the more that you communicate your value to them, Mm. the more they want to make sure they give you a Mm -hmm. price. That's great. And this is going to freak you out. Mm-hmm. I've had now three separate times factories come back themselves and say, we can get you a lower price without me ever asking them to lower the price mm-hmm. because it's nice. in their interest to make sure you have a low price. So now understanding that and coming back to your question, mm-hmm. if you push them mm-hmm. um, and they do just replace it with a lower quality product, Mm-hmm. It's because they were treating you like shit at the beginning. Yeah, right. If they respected you and they felt your business was a good business and your product was right, mm-hmm. that would not happen. Now, mm-hmm. there is quality fade. That's similar but different. Mm-hmm. That means, let's say, I, I got a children's toy here. Okay. So let's say that we start off with this children's toy. If and you, all if you're listening are, on the podcast, people, um, Stephen's holding up a wooden toy. I'm holding up so a wooden a toy. Yeah. yeah, with little rings of different colors. Yeah. So let's say that as we, we go along and we uh, uh, second, third, fourth order, this dog has one, two, three, four little rings on it. Yeah. Suddenly, it only has three rings because <laughs> um, yeah. they can get away with that. That's mm-hmm. quality fade. And that's mm-hmm. a completely different cultural aspect of China. Mm-hmm. In China... It's perfectly okay. It's encouraged. It's smart business to outsmart the other person, to be more Mm -hmm. clever. Mm -hmm. And that you can find the stories about Genghis Khan getting, you know, conquering China and getting past the defenses in the wall. And the rest of the world hated Genghis Khan. And of course, China did too. But there was also a smidgen of respect because he outsmarted them. Um, So they will try to outsmart you. If you don't have an inspection on yeah. every, single every single product yeah. run, yeah, whose right. fault is it? If, if you cross the street and you're not looking both ways, yeah. sure, it's not good that the car hits you, but you have part of that responsibility. If you're not doing an inspection, then mm. you have part of that responsibility for quality fade. If you're not being specific about your product requirements. And I, I, I had lunch with a sourcing agent, actually a well-known sourcing agent in the Amazon mm-hmm. community. Who was sourcing blankets yep. and i have some understanding of textiles and so on so i asked him about the blankets and the, the, the gsm and he had no idea what i was talking about and he wow. said, just standard, standard blankets yep. standard yep. blankets if you source standard blankets you're going to get the highest price for the lowest quality because mm-hmm. you didn't do your homework so That's right. the way to avoid quality fade is to make sure that you've got clear product requirements, that you've got inspections, that you test those those uh, products all along. And it may not even be your factory that's doing it. If they're not testing products when it, and components when they come into the factory, their suppliers could be doing it to them too. Mm-hmm. And the most fascinating part of all of this is if they're caught, they'll still have dinner with you and pay for <laughs> drinks. It's nothing personal. It's just... Yeah. Business. business and it's your responsibility responsibility to make sure that doesn't happen okay. right at the beginning 
I'll give you an example of why they will do that too at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And this is something Andy loved. When you sit down, mm -hmm. you are the owner of your company. You talk to the owner of their company. And if mm -hmm. that owner doesn't speak English, they'll find his, their most trusted mm -hmm. person next to them and they'll speak English on their behalf. That's great. But if you go in and say, oh yeah, I'm a, a, a sourcing, mid-level sourcing manager for a high street company, Mm -hmm. They know you're lying. They've seen the same YouTube videos we have. And mm -hmm. right at the beginning, they know that you're being deceptive. You're yep. being insecure. You're being you're lacking knowledge. So what happens? They're going to come back and hit you with everything they have because they know yeah. you're a weak opponent. No, it all makes sense. I wanted to talk about test orders. A lot of Amazon sellers like to buy very small quantities if possible to test those products before they go back to the factory to say, if it's a success, to go back and say, yep, now let's let's load up the cannons. We want to do uh, a container or LCL or whatever it is. How do, what's your approach to test orders uh, for, for sort of perhaps more e-commerce based sellers or marketplace sellers? In terms so of getting the best price. You need, you need to have as much data as possible to make mm -hmm. important decisions. And when you are buying five, eight, 12 containers, that's important decisions. You may not be buying them on your first order, but you want to grow to that point. You want to make yeah. sure people, excuse me for my hiccups. It's fine. <laughs> you want to make sure people want that product. And here's the challenge. Boy, uh, Bradley Sutton and others are going to hate me for saying this. Um, Jungle Scout and Helium 10, they have some, some mathematical flaws within them. Okay. So when you're using these tools to determine whether people are going to buy your product or not, you can get pointed to a good product, but you mm -hmm. still have to test it for yourself. You don't know what the market elasticity is for that product. You don't know if uh, there are specific requirements that only people who are experts on that product might know. You might yep. want to differentiate it based on what you're seeing based on people's comments, but the people making the comments are not experts. They don't know if something's really going to make it better or not. Mm -hmm. uh, so, for so you're talking about the product reasons, reviews that the customers yeah, are product leaving, reviews. So, yeah. You okay. want to do a test. But mm -hmm. here's the thing. If you're getting a product through all of those tools, there mm -hmm. are multiple suppliers. Mm -hmm. So find a supplier that you don't like. <laughs> Ask them everything you can. Learn as much as you possibly can, knowing you're not going to be with this guy at the end of the day anyway. No. Start off with a test order. He's going to think, oh, this I can't take this Steve guy seriously. He's only ordering 400 units and it's mm -hmm. stuff I already made and he's just having me slap his logo on it. Mm -hmm. um, do what you can with that guy. And if it yep. works, then you he's go to the one you really want to work with. Well, and, I, and, and we had mentioned Kian earlier. I have to give credit to Kian for, for that strategy. That's his. One, I yeah. love it. I've, I've, I've stolen it from him, but I will give him <laughs> credit for it because it's really smart. Use the guys you don't want for all the stuff that, that, yeah, that will leave a trace on you. That's right. That's, that's actually really clever, isn't it? Well done uh, for not only crediting him, but just to Kian as well. He's very good at this stuff. Well, let's talk about the factories because the factories are your suppliers, right? So you do factory visits, as you mentioned all at the, the top time. of the show. All right. So how do you decide which of the factories that you're going to use? Or do you do use multiple factories to manufacture the same thing? Or how do you approach all of this? 
So yeah, a few different questions in there. I know that mm-hmm. lots of people have a tech uh, a technique of saying we're going to have this component done in this factory and this mm-hmm. component done in that factory and so on. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't follow that unless I absolutely have to. Okay. I think I recently sent you a case study, a video of a case study. You did. Okay, yes, in did. that particular case, we had to use three different factories because mm. the, the, the components were built in such different ways mm. that the investment in machinery and everything else, and we had to decide on those factories. But typically, yeah. and even in that case, we have one primary factory that manages the others, that does the billing and everything else. Coordination, um, yeah. So we end up with one CI, one commercial invoice at the end and so on. That's great. But typically, typically, mm-hmm. um, the first step in, in uh, is to identify a menu or portfolio factories that you want, that you're considering, including okay. the one that you hate, that you're going to find out all the information <laughs> from. Your lower. Okay. Now, from the rest, you want to compare, <coughs> excuse me, apples to apples to apples for what their pricing is, what their communication is, what their responsiveness is, how eager they're doing, they are to do business with you and so on. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you are doing a Bluetooth speaker that mm-hmm. looks like an antique leather book and yep. it sits on the shelf and wow. it's very cool. It hides in there. It's going to have a you know a power control and volume control and everything else that's built up mm-hmm. on the chip, but it's a basic chip, basic Bluetooth, everything else. Mm-hmm. you're the only one that has one that looks like an antique book. Mm-hmm. Don't go into the factories and say, I want a Bluetooth speaker that looks like an antique book. Mm-hmm. Because culturally, China finds it very difficult to be innovative. Mm-hmm. So the moment you leave and you say, I don't like this factory, they're going to turn around and make a Bluetooth speaker that looks like a book. They're happy. They're finding out there's a demand for something they weren't aware of. So instead, you do a decoise, decoy sourcing. So figure something else out that's about the same size as that book, mm-hmm. leather binding, Bluetooth speaker. Um, let's say that that um, you you a, a, a small fake coffin. I don't know yeah. for pigeons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what you're that's what you're sourcing. So now sure. you're telling each one of them the same dimensions, mm-hmm. the same exterior the same components, the same requirements, but you're not giving away your secret sauce. And you can compare them for price, responsiveness, etc. You yeah. also want to understand what quality work comes out of the factory. That was, I'll tell that you right now, yeah. if a factory turns around and says, we do IKEA, run away. Because IKEA product, they accept the worst quality you will ever see. I'm, I'm shocked every time that happened, and I've seen it a few times now. But you want to compare apples to apples to apples and you want to see what comes off the line on a tuesday morning or a friday afternoon you want to mm-hmm. see what happens on a monday morning when people are coming in hungover. you <laughs> don't want to see how great a product their best artisan can put together in the back room building prototypes you want yeah. to judge them for what comes off the, the assembly line so mm-hmm. you ask for a sample of their typical work Great. Not of something made specifically for you. And you compare that. So now you know the quality as well as the price and everything else. And now you can choose a factory. And yeah. finally, now that you have your factory, you get an NNN. That's a you know non-disclosed, non-use, yeah. non-circumvent agreement. 
And with that, you finally tell them, no, it's not a coffin. They'll breathe a, breathe a big sigh of relief because they'll probably <laughs> think it's a silly product. Yeah. Um, you explain what it is and you show them your, your first edition of Charles Dickens or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now they can go ahead and create it. But you know you're with the best factory to do that. Love that. What if you can't go to China? What do we do then if we're sort of we're not able to go for whatever reason? I don't know. We can't get a visa. Can't talk fair twenty four twenty twenty four. Get me to go to the factory for you. That's, Seriously, that's mm. Um, mm. you've got WeChat. WeChat video is probably better and stronger than a mm. video platform, even better than than, than Zoom. So mm. you want to communicate as much as possible, mm. and then you want to manage them remotely. So you do have eyes in China. Mm-hmm. And those eyes are an inspection company. Use a real and registered inspection company. It means they okay. can't do shipping. They can't do um, um, prep or anything else. They wouldn't no, no. be registered by the, by the Chinese government if they did. Yeah. Use a real inspection company. And you can have them. I had um, a, a year ago, December, mm-hmm. I had a product that had to be got out on time for January launch. And mm-hmm. I wasn't sure they were even going to put the right components in the right boxes. I got a hold of my inspection agency and mm-hmm. I told them, I just want someone to stand there and look mean all day long. <laughs> and, just, <laughs> yeah. and that's what they did. You can get inspection companies to monitor any part of the production line. You that's can get true, inspection yeah. companies to do a during production inspection, about five, ten yeah. percent in. You can get a pre-shipment inspection. You can get them to monitor how they load up your your containers. They are work for you. So yes. put them out there and use them. I mean, an inspection for two fifty, three hundred dollars a day. Yeah. yeah. That's the best investment you'll ever make. It sure is. Um, who do you use? Are you happy to disclose who you I use? use V-Trust. Okay. Yeah, there's others that are good. SGS is good. Intertech is good. Kima is good. I use VTrust, and I will tell you the story why. Mm-hmm. Uh, my niece is a nurse uh, or a pediatric ICU nurse in yeah. Manhattan. That's a serious okay. position. Sounds COVID like came, and their entire staff was suddenly without masks. I was mm-hmm. talking to Ted, who's the CEO of VTrust, and I was just telling him that story. And he yep. said, what hospital is she in? Mm-hmm. The next thing I know, I get a phone call from my niece saying, who's this guy, Ted, in China? He mm-hmm. had sent masks for her and the entire staff on her floor, and he took care of them during COVID. That that's crazy. character. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's you know, there's lots of, there, there, I mentioned SGS and Intertech and Kim. They're all good inspection agencies. Mm-hmm. But to me, Ted's character just mm-hmm. went above and beyond. And that's why I like using them. That's a great story and a wonderful outcome for your sister and yes. all the niece. other stuff. Niece, I'm sorry. And all of the other staff, of course. Yes, I love that. Okay. V Trust it is for me too then. That sounds good. Um, one of the other things that you mentioned as well was the Canton Fair, like going to the yeah. fair. So I don't know we've got everything the wrong way around here. Maybe we've started with negotiation, but the fair is a great place to meet the factory owners, I'm assuming, right? It absolutely is. First of all, to anyone who's considered going to the fair, going with me, going on your own, going with Ken and Light and going with anyone else. Mm-hmm. Guys, we started this off, we were talking beforehand, go talk to your accountant. You should be able to deduct the entire cost of going to the fair with anyone. 
Yes. And uh, and make sure that I mean, if you this is a business, so make sure yes. you take advantage of that right away. Yeah. Um, I like people coming with us because, as I said, we have a full you know yeah. a whole range of experiences beyond the mm. fair. But it does center on the fair. The okay. fair is the largest exposition of products and factories in the world. China produces 30% of the world's goods, and you will see it there. It's so huge that not only is the complex the largest, and they just expanded it into four four complexes, each one the size of a, a small airport terminal and everything. Mm. Um, they actually have to split it up into three parts. So they take a whole bunch of products and categories, and they do that for five days. Then they yeah. switch it out, and they do another set for five days, and they switch it out, Crazy, and they do right? another set. Mm for five days um, they call those phases and just a quick note mm -hmm. you want to visit during the phase that has your types of products absolutely yeah, and you want to be there for aggregate to go agri out there and agricultural check equipment yeah yes so when china opened up again in last mm -hmm. april a year ago everything mm -hmm. was basically the same phases that it was before mm -hmm. um, then in october they decided mm -hmm. to shift toys and um uh, pets from phase right. two to phase three okay. and a friend of mine who had a uh, a china trip mm -hmm. had never even gone online to look oh no and yeah. at the you know just last minute i said you're advertising this but you're in the wrong phase most yeah. people don't want toys and and pets um, yeah. and she was very very thankful and she switched it on yeah. over that's lucky and this is someone who's experienced if you're not experienced it's even easier to make mistakes okay so check to make sure you're going into the right phase. And then okay. once you're there, mm -hmm. um, and I'll, I'll put up a, a bunch of videos to just help people navigate it. It right. is, it's gigantic, but it is navigatable. Every mm -hmm. section has is identified by letters and numbers when you get into that section, which is the size of a large convention hall. Yeah. Every, every aisle uh, has, has letters to it. Every booth has numbers. So once you mm -hmm. figure out that secret there, you can go up and down. Yeah. And then uh, a few little extra things to be aware of. First right. of all, the people who are exhibiting at the Canton Fair, this is run by the government of China. Right. You have to have a certain number, uh, a certain threshold of exports in order to be approved to exhibit at the Canton Fair. Okay, so that's like so a the gating only process there right there. Are, they're, 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 they have a certain level of, of expertise and business and everything else, or they sublet theirs out to people yep. who can't make. And then if you cannot sublet and if you cannot meet the threshold, yeah. oh gosh, Megala is going to hate me, but she's not doing global sources anymore. Then you go to Hong Kong because yeah. Hong Kong will accept anybody. So if you're planning to do yeah. one or the other, just to let mm -hmm. yourself know, your more serious suppliers are going to be at the Canton Fair. And because okay. space is paid for and it's expensive, as you walk through each one of these these halls towards the middle, you'll find the larger, more established suppliers. But the ones towards the edges, the smaller ones, will be easier to work with when you're small, mm. and easier to get good prices. Okay, with. I have a couple of my Shark Tank clients. Um, we've got them in the third largest home or kitchen appliance factory in all of China. You walk yeah. into their booth; it is gigantic. Yep. But if you walk towards the edge, you'll find suppliers that are doing things that are unique and different and more on the edge. You'll find stuff that your competitors don't have in there. 
and they want your business. So it comes back to the value you bring. Don't ignore the ones on the sides. Love it. Okay. So we've done the fair. We've decided what we're going to source. We visited the factory. We've negotiated with the factory. We've organized our QC inspection and production inspections. You talked about warehouses and visiting a port where those products that you're manufacturing will eventually leave from. So what what happens when you go to the port? So your products are going to leave the factory. Mm-hmm. And when you negotiate the price with the factory, you're going to negotiate up to the point of them leaving the factory. That's right. You could pay a little extra and have them drive it to the port. Yes. Or you could just say out the door, it's called a raw cost. Yeah. There's Excellent. a shorthand for that. Mm-hmm. And the shorthand for that is Xworks, EXW, mm-hmm. out the door of the factory, or FOB, okay, you're going to pay a little extra and they bring it to the to the port. But in reality, Xworks and FOB and FAS and uh, mm-hmm. CIT and DDP, those yeah. are actually INCO terms for shipping. Even mm-hmm. though most people think about them with the factory, it's just shorthand for saying a raw cost yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So you need to start off by understanding what your carriage, what, what carrying your products across the mm-hmm. water is going to be. And those INCO terms, which are set up internationally, are a good way of understanding what you're paying for and what you're yeah. not paying for. Yeah, It's not rocket science. I was no. talking with, I think it was Amit Rosenthal, the first time I met him. And it was just like amazing people will spend all this time and energy and understand PPC. I don't understand PPC and I'm a rather <laughs> smart person. I am impressed with people like Clytus and others who can do that. Anyone can understand INCO terms. Just mm. go out there for half an hour and read it. What you can That's discover good. is there are 11 INCO terms. Every mm. 10 years they're reviewed and new ones are added and other ones are taken off. Mm. If they're taken off, they should not be being offered by anyone. No. Well, guess what? I started this many, many, 2005. In yeah. 2009, it was pro, uh, proposed that they remove DDU as an authorized INCO term. In 2010, when they came out with the new INCO terms, DDU was not on the list. Anyone wow. can go Google that. Yeah. The reason for it, it was being abused way That's too much. Mm. And yet even today in Facebook groups, there are people saying, oh, we're going to ship this DDU. Yeah, I still say it's it. It's anecdotal, but it's not. So, so understand what you're looking at. And once you understand what you're looking at, you're going to be looking at three, and I suggest four, different options. One is DDP. That Mm -hmm. means delivered duty paid. The the shipper pays the duty for you. Yeah, to deliver it to an Amazon warehouse or Amazon warehouse, your living room. It doesn't matter. No. Um, The other two ones that are most often talked about are XWorks or FOB. FOB means free freight on board. It's Mm -hmm. from the moment that that. product or container or excuse me, uh, um, cartons are put in the container and it's brought to the port. Um, yeah. and now it's being and sent across the ocean. You. You're right. responsible for paying the duties and the taxes mm-hmm. um, and other fees. And then there's X-Works where you don't even have to worry about bringing it to the port. The shipper is going to pick it up, pack it up, bring it to the port. Yeah. Very easy, very nice. Mm-hmm. In all of those cases, the moment your container on that boat gets out on the water and is on its way to UK, US, wherever. wherever. It's now on its way. You get something called a bill of lading, B-O-B-L or B-O-L. Yep. Mm-hmm. That is basically identifies where your product is at any step along the way. Mm. Chris, this is 2024. 
This is not 1817, 1492 with the Mayflower or whatever it is that went around the world. <laughs> we have satellites. We have the internet. So when your shipper says to you, oh, yes, this is your UPS number. Yes. And you're not going to know anything until it actually lands and UPS picks it up. That should be sending off alarm bells. Of course you can track it across the ocean. And yet they're telling you, you can't. Mm -hmm. So right away, realize that sets off alarm bells. That's someone who's taking advantage of you. And it gets worse because the people who take advantage of you like that are almost exclusively offering you DDP service only. Mm. And the reason for that is that with DDP service, as I said, they pay the duties. The reason they can pay the duties is because they own your products. You don't own your products until, as you said, it gets delivered at its final destination, whether it's Amazon or your living room or your warehouse. That's when you actually get to own it. doesn't matter how much you paid the factory. When I started this years ago, we used to pay upon receipt. That means upon yeah. the bill of lading yeah, or upon Robin. delivery. Nowadays, everyone's paying a ton of money up front to these DDP, fact, DDP shippers that, that troll Facebook groups to get people to sign up, giving right. them um, uh, services that don't exist like Matson and Supermats, and they did Super Zim for a while until Zim uh, tried to sue them. Um, all of these, are, they're trying to, to rip you off. Here's the biggest ripoff. You know this because you've been around for a while. Mm -hmm. The amount that, you're due, that you pay on your duties is calculated. And, and they put a multiplier onto you how much you pay for your products. That's Let's right. say it's 25% or 10% or 17%. And the amount you pay for your products is determined by your CI commercial invoice. Mm. How is it that all of these wonderful uh, shippers that are shipping only DDP are able to tell you how much it's going to be without ever asking for a commercial yeah. invoice? I know. It's because they're fudging the whole thing. They sure are. And it's not very, only are they fudging that invoice, they're fudging wh which boat it's going to be on. Yeah. I can't tell you. I can walk into any Amazon event. I can put together a hundred random people mm -hmm. and I ask them, how long does it take to go through customs? And they'll tell me a week, two weeks, 10 days, could be three weeks. They could be caught in inspections all the time. Mm -hmm. The reality is customs is, we can do this together. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, done. It's done on a computer. Again, we're not 1492, we're 2024. It's done by some guy in an office who is the, the customs broker, not even on the boat. Five yeah. days before the boat lands, they puts inputs a form. Um, it's a 7501 form. And now your duties are paid. It's not an airport. It's not, you know, it, it, there's, there's no reason for them to be saying it takes five days, 10 days, 15 days, except for the fact that your products are not really on the original boat you paid for. You're on a cheaper okay. boat. And yep. they're looking, making little excuses to say, yeah, why is it on, on, a, on a cheaper boat? That's literally yeah. a slow boat from China. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, there, and, there's uh, like fast, medium, and slow, isn't there? There's yeah. different types of and vessels. Different, and, they have diff mm. and, and there's new ships and old ships and different shipping companies. So That's they right. make it very easy. Just keep it till they can get the lowest prices they can on the spot market, which is yeah. basically wholesaling out um, uh, containers. 
and then yeah. they put it on. And maybe half of your stuff's in one container and half is in another container. It could you be. don't have any visibility so, with NEP. And with FDA, with um, uh, FOB you do, with yeah. Xworks you do. And We're here's the last one, FAS. If you want to ship your stuff without anyone knowing who the factory is, mm-hmm. FAS is the exact same as FOB, except there's no factory listed. Free That's alongside ship, FAS. Okay. That sounds good. The other thing I was going to say too about going with DDP, and Jamie and Michael often talk about this, particularly Jamie, his sort of background is freight. Um, and the risk of DDP is exactly what you mentioned earlier, which was the fudging of the invoice in order to pay lower duties for the DDP shipper, right? Uh, it, the problem is, is that you are on the hook if customers detect that the invoice has been faked or whatever. And uh, there's, I know there's ongoing investigations in the United States right now because uh, they're looking at this stuff because there's a lot of duties not being paid because of DDP. So there's a lot of DDP shippers that are under investigation by, I don't know who it is in the US, some authority, but uh, it's quite a risky thing to do. So just be really careful, peeps. I'd probably avoid DDP uh, like the plague and uh, organize your own shipments. You know, we've got things that now like Amazon Global Logistics, which is a nice cheap way to do things. Obviously there's Skewdrop as well, highly visible uh, situation in Skewdrop too, as it relates to paying duties and seeing what you're actually up for. So, uh, yeah, I, I strongly recommend that they're your two probably best options or just a really, good quality th- freight forward. I'll tell you something that will frighten the heck out of you. And mm-hmm. most, most even large, major um, freight forwarding and shipping companies don't know this. Mm-hmm. Um, this com- we had uh, someone come visit our, our class. Now, this, now we're talking product development incubator. We had someone yeah. come deliver, visit our class of 19 years experience as head of enforcement for for customs and border protection. Yep. They know who those shady freight forwarders are. They, they know their address. They know where they are. They know who has signed leases. They can mm-hmm. change their name and they can still track them back and know who they are. Mm-hmm. And they know who you are if you're using them. Yeah. And they have a system. It's just like when you're a kid and you told that's going to go on your permanent record. And then you find out that was just all, you know, a, a scare tactic. Mm-hmm. You have a permanent record with Customs and Border Protection. And every time you do business with one of these shady folks, Mm -hmm. you get your little rating of questionableness Mm -hmm. and shadiness yourself goes up. And when it reaches a certain level, I think the number is 72, you will be in a heap of trouble every time you try to import something. So you may think you're getting away with stuff and slowly the temperature's rising Mm -hmm. on you. And if you're treating this like a real business, you want to make sure you stop that problem right at the very beginning. Stephen, quickly talk to me about the the Canton 2024. What have you got in store? So Um, canton2024.com. That's our Canton Fair trip. It is the Canton Fair. It's um, factory visits. It's packaging factory and learning about retail-ready packaging, learning how to sell to retailers. Um, Of course, the Canton Mm. Fair itself, we are there to support you and coach you as much as you need it, whenever you need it. This is all part of the package. You don't have to pay extra for that. Um, you also get the hotel. You don't have to pay extra for that. And you get picked up at the airport. You don't get paid for, pay extra for that. Mm-hmm. You also get, I mentioned, um, legal training. You get um, uh, certification lab, inspection, mm-hmm. and so on. I'm going to bring it back to the beginning of, of the story. We were talking uh, of our conversation. We were talking about inspections at the very beginning. If you are in China mm-hmm. and you already have factories, 
have an audit or an inspection done while you're in China and go to your factory while it happens. Yeah, absolutely. If you've never done that, it's going to change your world. So uh, also inspections and so on. Um, we had mentioned ne negotiations a few times. Um, that's the thing that hits everyone right away when they come back is the fact that they've been taught how to negotiate in a way that's different, that real businesses do it. Because um, as I said, I first was taught, you know, by, by this fellow who was a former FBI hostage negotiator teaching us <laughs> at Microsoft how to do stuff. Um, it is, yeah. it's relaxed. It's nothing mm. frightening. I, we also teach, by the way, mm. one of the interesting quirks about Chinese culture is that a, a woman can get better prices than a man. And that yeah. always surprises women because in most cases, it's a very misogynistic society mm -hmm. where men are up high, women are like a lower class, but, mm -hmm. and we have to we'll go, we go through this in, in the program, we have to go through it again at another time, but mm -hmm. there is a way that women can actually be higher than men can be more steadfast and resolute in their negotiations than they can in any other culture of the world. Um, and I'm just, I'm just, you know, yeah. touching on on, on, on just a, a small amount of everything that happens. So it's the Canton Fair plus much more. I know that you've got a lot of successful case studies and many, many others that have been successful that have been on that trip with you or previous trips, and I know that there'll be many more to come. So, Stephen, um, how do we get in touch with you if we wanted to do that? So for the trip, again, Canton Fair 2024, one word, no spaces, dot com. Mm -hmm. uh, the incubator is productdevelopmentincubator.com. And frankly, there's a little button at the bottom of the Canton Fair where you can see the other, and there's a button at the top of the incubator you can get to the Canton Fair. Number one thing, if any of this interests you, go to the site, click the little button that says, let's chat, and we'll set up yep. a Zoom time, and we'll just sit and talk. Sounds perfect. Stephen, thank you so much for today's, well, lesson, chat, um, interview. It's been fantastic as usual, and I can't wait for our paths to cross again someday in the near future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, let's talk soon. See you, mate. All right. Links and show notes for this episode can be found over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher or your favorite podcast platform. Sign up to my email over at theaustralianseller.com and I'll send you a note each time I publish a new podcast episode. Thanks so much again for listening.